You're listening to Eye on the Ball with Steve Rivera. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Eye on the Ball. I'm Steve Rivera, along with Jay Gonzalez, and you're listening to 1030 The Voice. I think today is going to be a very special show. Let's not screw it up, Jay. Let's not mess this up. It's, you know, let's not. <laughs> Who do you got? Who do you have? We've got Terry Francona coming in. He's a good friend of Eddie Leone. We had Eddie on a, a last week, and Eddie helped us get Terry to, to, to join us and talk a little bit about what's going on in Major League Baseball, and uh, also you know, we hope to go into some story time on, yes. you know, from his days at Arizona. He left here as an All-American in 1980, and then uh, won the College World Series, and has had a long, had a long playing and managerial managerial career. So we just want to check in with him, see how things are going. Uh, you know, he spends a lot of time in Tucson, yeah. and just see what he's been up to. Yeah, right, right. He has a, a a heart near and dear to Tucson and U of A because he's constantly at games. Right, and you know, and he's one of those guys. Uh, you know, for he's one of those guys for the baseball program. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like you know the Steve Curran, Sean Elliott guys. Mm-hmm. You know, Teddy Bruschi, Chuck Cecil for football. You know, he's one of those guys that you know people remember him when they think about Arizona baseball and its history. Terry's one of the guys that they remember, not just because of the great career he had here, but also because of the great c- career he's had in Major League Baseball. Right, right. In fact, I would have, I would. Venture to guess, uh, we talked about this a couple of days ago, that he'd be on the Mount Rushmore of the baseball team? He'd definitely be on my Mount Rushmore of, of Arizona yeah. baseball. Give me you know, three more real quick. Certainly. Um, boy. Uh, that's kind of tough, isn't it? Cause, it? It is, you know, because you think, you know, they've had four national champ, five national championship, four? Four national championship teams. Um, you know, I think of some of the local guys like Gil Heredia, who was on the 86 team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you had Scott Erickson, who had an incredible, you know, single season. Chip Hale. You know, Chip Hale. Uh, I think you, know, you might have to put Chip Hale out there. Well, 2012. Um, does it, uh, t- the 2012 team, I think of Alex Mejia. Oh, when yes. I think of that team. Much. You know, uh, Heiser, uh, the uh, Kurt Heyer. Um, so, <laughs> right. you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of guys. But you know when you when you think of one guy on one team, you think of Frank Cohn on the on the 1980 team. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. In fact, we talked about it. I think that he is the best player to ever play here. Uh, we I talked to Hun- Hunley, uh, Ricky Hunley. So I think he's the guy. I, that's debatable, but I think he's the guy. We just got to get Sean Elliott right. You know, and I'll, I'll date myself a little bit. I'm going to throw out a name: Dave Stegman on oh, the yeah, 1975 yeah. and 76 teams. They yeah. won a championship in 76 that we talked about, and in the 75, that 75 team that only lost six games, and unfortunately, two of those were in a regional, and they got didn't even get to the College World Series. But uh, you know, Dave Stegman was a guy who could just rake, and he had a career uh, with the with the uh, Detroit Tigers. So, you know, I think he's a guy that I'd put up there. He was one of the most amazing hitters that Arizona's ever had. Really, really. So that's. Man, you are taking so that. You're about 12. How old were you? About 14? No, I was in high school by that oh, time. <laughs> I was in high school by that time. We've already made enough old guy jokes. Well, well, I'm right it, behind you, so I can't yeah, say much. You know, and again, you know, I'm looking at, you know, when you look you look people up and you find out a little bit more about them. And, you know, Terry and I, were go, we were going to the U of A at the same time. 
you know, we were basically in the same class. His was a little different. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, he, you know, he had better luck with the chicks than I did. Um, and, uh, you know, he, 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 left, uh, he left school, I think, a year early. He left after right, the junior right, year. Right. He got drafted in the first round. But, uh, you know, we, were, we would have been in the same graduating class, um, you know, in 1981. So, you know, we've got that going for us. He's, I was looking it up. He's about four, four years older than me. Once again, another one of those guys like Dave Rubio, who just looks way better than I do, and so right. you know, probably I got to give him that. a little smoother. You know, yeah, probably. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing if Terry's around, you know, he maybe gets in some workouts in the clubhouse and those kinds of things. So, right, you know, he takes he takes a little better care of himself than maybe I do. So we'll talk to him about maybe the possibility of when he thinks baseball is going to come out. Finally. Right, I, I'm interested. To, I'm interested to see what you know what his perspective is and you know what he's hearing and what he thinks is you know might happen. You know, maybe get his gut feeling for mm-hmm. you know what what, what does he think is going to happen you know i'd like to think he's kind of on the front lines and getting some information that's not uh you know going to everybody but and we'll see how much he'll tell us about where where things stand he's probably just a well he's in the know obviously uh with his conversations with his owners and his managers and all these other things uh but i'm sure he doesn't know as much you know what i'm saying because everyone's still up in the air again it is so up in the air you know you even talk like we you know we were they talked to the, some of the Pac-12 coaches in the last week, and mm-hmm. you know they're it's up in the air. They're guessing. The yeah. one thing that we do know is they want to come back. Everybody wants to play. Well, except for maybe a guy named Snell. <laughs> but but because you know he's not going to get his full payment exactly. But you know every, it, it seems that everybody wants to play. Yeah, somehow. Sure. sure. And and uh, you know again if it's done safely and responsibly. So we'll it'll be like I said it'll be interesting to see what uh, what's on his mind and. You know where uh, you know where where things might be right now. Right, right. I'm looking forward to it. I've never had a conversation, maybe a, a slight conversation with him uh, three or four years ago uh, at the football, the basketball games. So, uh, and I'm, he's a great guy. He's done some ESPN work, yeah, a lot of yeah. media stuff. So he has that background too. Sure. He and you know what? He just seems like an all around good guy. And uh, um, I, I think I maybe talked to him at an event or something like that, but uh-huh. not enough where I think he's going to remember me. And I see him all the time. Right, right. Cross sitting across from me at at, at McHale Center. Right. You know, I'm, a, I'm at the scores table. He's on the other side in the front row. So, you know, I, I see him. I see him there and clearly a huge fan of, of Arizona basketball because right. those seats aren't cheap. So no. it's it'd be interesting to see what... Uh, right near the president. No, he's on the op- he's on the opposite side of the table. So no, uh, uh, President Robbins. No, Robbins pres- is President right. Robbins is to my right. Terry's to my left. Oh, so I, th- I thought they're, he was they're to separated the right. by the by the broadcast table. Oh, okay, I've them. seen him on yeah. the Robbins area. Yeah, he, you well, know, you know what. President Robbins probably gets to sit wherever he wants, right? <laughs> so, right or Terry but, too. But I do know that when it's packed, President Robbins is sitting across to, to from your the left. visitor bench, right? And Terry's sitting across from the oh, home okay. bench. I've seen them both on the same side, so but, yeah. we're both on that same side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. cool. Our first argument, Jay. It, cool. it was, you know. Look, you know what? I, I, I do get to look around once in a while, and I kind of pick out where people are. You know, I've got, I know where some friends sit, and I, you know, take a look and see where they are. So. Right. Right got to keep yourself entertained pre-game right no no. yeah because you're too busy during the game counting assists right counting everything gosh yeah right right everything uh well you didn't miss it this year because you 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 went through the year 
Right, right. So next year we'll see what happens. I know that we're going to need to take a break here, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and then we're going to have him for about a half hour. For yeah, two we're going to get him. We're going to get him for two segments. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Major League Baseball and what's going on there. Then we'll let him. Uh, we'll try and get into Watch some stories it. about uh, about Arizona baseball. I'd like to know. You know, uh, obviously he's you know he's, he's he spends a lot of time here, so he obviously fell in love with the place and yeah. you know likes being here and he's put some money into the U of A, both in as we said in those those tickets that he gets at. Uh, and McHale, but he also put a million dollars into the Baseball. into the hitting center uh, at, at High Corbett, which, in, as a matter of fact, I got to hit in that last year. Oh, you did! It was it was fun, and it's it's a, it's quite a it's quite a facility. Live pitching or uh, pitch machine? Well, I, I had I had somebody throwing you know oh, batting okay. practice, you know batting practice pitches. They yeah. were throwing they were throwing them hard at me, yeah. and then I took a couple off the machine, and I had to have them slow it down. You know, <laughs> right. put a little arc uh, on those fun, things. Though. But it it was fun. You know, it's fun to get in there yeah, and take a couple of whacks. I like to take some ground balls out there because I, I'm more I, I, I don't get in front of ground balls anymore. Uh, I like to play. Dude, I can't. I'm not a I'm not a power hitter. I'm not a hitter. <laughs> I have to take some ground balls. No bad hops, please. That's no, well. That's why I'm. You know what? I, no, I'm not going to be fast enough to get my glove up if I get if I catch them. It's going to hit me wherever it's going to hit me. So I just assume not. <laughs> right. 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 Our reactions are. Are not the same they are not. as they used to be. Uh, I think we're going to take a break here right now and come back and talk to Terry Francona. All right. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm Steve Rivera alongside Jay Gonzalez. And now on the phone, we have Terry Francona. Terry, how are you? Good, guys. How you doing? It's funny that we find you in Louisville, Kentucky, where you're probably checking out some baseball bats to take with you. I mean, the best hitter has some of the best bats from Louisville. <laughs> no, I'm just, uh, I'm on my way to Cleveland. I left Tucson uh, Wednesday, what, Wednesday night, and uh, I'm, I'm about another eight hours from Cleveland. My rear, my rear end's numb. I'm not stopping for anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, Terry, thanks for joining us. So, my, this is Jay Gonzalez. I, so, my question to you is: Did you leave? Are you are you headed back to Cleveland because you've got stuff to do now, and we, we might be seeing a baseball season, or did it just get too darn hot and you said, <laughs> "I got to get out of here"? No, man, I love I love I love Tucson. I will never complain about it being too hot because I hate being cold. No, I actually, uh, I kind of hated to leave. You know, there's a possibility of us getting started up. And I just, you know, I just want to make sure that we give our organization every possible chance to be prepared. And I thought I could do that better from Cleveland. Um, You know, there's so many hurdles to go over. I don't know if it's going to work or not. But but I just like I said, I want to make sure that we're ready to play if there's a chance to. So when you get there, what's uh, you know what's on what's on the agenda for you? What, what are you going to be doing to uh, you know to get start getting ready for this? Well, the, actually, the very first thing I found out is getting a, a COVID test. You know, I called oh, yeah. one of the trainers today, and I was like, "Hey, I'll be at the ballpark uh, Saturday Saturday morning or Sunday morning." And he's like, no, 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 not until you get a test. So then I, got, I guess I get a test, and then I guess I've got a quarantine for a couple of days, and then I can start going into the ballpark. So funny thing is Jay just uh, perked up a bit because you gave him a chance. It's a nice little tease that you're on your way back to Cleveland to possibly maybe get a hint of a chance of baseball. Oh, I, you know, the MLB is doing such a good job of, of having plans having contingency plans, having plans on top of the plans. <laughs> and again, you know, it, it's, it's, 
they've been really open and honest about it's gonna you know it's gonna have to be safe for the players and their families, and we we can't be taken away from the public, and and if they can make it work, I actually think it'd be great for everybody. You know, it's I don't know about you guys, but I've run out of TV shows. Oh god. So, I think people would welcome something to watch. You know, Terry, I was watching Korean baseball. Okay, I was <laughs> I was up at you know two o'clock in the morning watching Korean baseball. So, you know, it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, we can't we can't wait. So so from the time that you know <laughs> from the time that things got shut down, uh, you know, you you were in and you were here in Tucson. You know, what were you doing? You know, what what were you doing with your time here? You know, waiting for word that something might happen. Yeah, I mean, I've never been home, you know, this time of the year, you know, regardless of where right. I lived. I've been in baseball my whole life. But I'd meet uh, friends of yours, too. I may, I'd meet Eddie Leone and Mike Paul every morning. We'd go for a walk, um, which I have never done in my life. <laughs> uh, I'd make sure I'd come home, and I'd swim in the afternoon. And then other than that, we, you know, our organization had a lot of Zoom calls. I never thought in my life I would be able to navigate through a Zoom call, but I can now say that. And then, to be honest with you, I was so bored. I, I couldn't. I'd wait for dinner. I'd be like, "Okay, now I can eat dinner," and and I'd watch something on TV. Like I said, I was, I was kind of running out of stuff. You've been really busy on the uh, the media ter- circuit too. Hannah Storm earlier this week. I thought you. I saw you on another show. You've been kind of like the spokesman for a lot of reasons. Well. You know, with the with the Michael Jordan last yes. dance thing, some of that got revived. So, I, I I probably did I did a lot of interviews actually, um, just because there's so much interest in everything about Michael, uh, and I actually really do enjoy talking about him because my experience with him was so good that I actually do like talking about him. Well, well, tell us a little bit about that because that's been a really interesting thing for us to for us to watch. I mean, you know that you know Michael Jordan in the '90s was was something that we were, you know, if you were any kind of a sports fan, even if you weren't an NBA fan, you were watching that and you knew that history was being made. So, you know, what what is you know what, what, what a what's your take on on all this that's happened? You know that 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 they're talking about in the in the uh, in the series, but then you know you were in it. You you know you had an experience with him. I mean, tell us a little bit about what how that's kind of stayed at the forefront for you one it really surprised me that he allowed that much access to what they were doing and and it, i guess it's taken about 20 years for them to unlock the vault but i think it's really well done um as far as baseball goes you know i mean you got to remember i was 34 i think 34 years old and and you know my second year as a double a manager um, man, I was just trying to survive. And when we found out he was going to come to Birmingham, we sat down and I said, hey, you know, it's really important that you understand that we have 23 other guys in this room and, and they've probably played on an average of four years just to get to this level. And here's the kind of money they're making. I said, so respect to the game is really important. And, that, and, and I got to be really honest, that blew me away how much he respected not only the game of baseball, but the people in the game. And he, he became, on the very first day he was there, a member of the Birmingham Barons. And he didn't have to do that. And 
that really impressed me. You said that uh, if he stuck with it and, and took the, at, at bats and, and, and played some defense a long time, that he would have eventually made it to the major leagues. That goes to show how talented he is as an athlete. It's not just that, because I think, do think he had the tools if he was willing to play. But I also found out that if you told him no, he would find a way to make the answer be yes. And I've heard that on this last dance several times, and I lived through it myself, and I believe that. Did, did you see him as, as, as much as a – was he as much of a competitor in baseball as you've gotten the sense that he, that he was in basketball? I mean, was it that uh, important to him, and, and, and did he compete that hard? Not to the point of punching Steve Kerr in the eye, of <laughs> course, but, you know, how important was baseball to him at that time, and was he that competitive, and did he kind of reflect that on the other guys? I've seen him break ping pong paddles, tennis rackets. He's compet. He doesn't only. He doesn't want to just beat you. He wants to beat you into oblivion. And and it doesn't matter what he's doing. The one thing I would say is, and I I don't know if this has come across or not in the in the shows. You know, he may be a little bit of a. I don't, I don't want to say tyrant, but but you know, I mean, he pushes everybody. But it's to win. It's not for personal gain. It's for team gain. And I and I saw that part of him too. He did, he doesn't like to lose at anything when you're talking about a team. You must have seen a lot of athletes like that at this level, the baseball level specifically, where you have those winners who hate to lose and and push others too. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, shoot, I played with Pete Rose and and actually for Pete, uh, you know, Dustin Pedroia comes to mind. I mean. There, there's just some guys that have the ability to raise the level of everybody around them and also to be their best when the moment is the biggest. That's, that's well, th- I mean, those are the guys that you have to have. I mean, every team has to has right. to have those to be successful, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, shoot, you, you know, you, 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 we, have, we have a kid, Francisco Lindor. You know what? We just wind him up and turn him loose. And try to stay out of the way because he's that special of a player, and and you know he's got he's got all the tools. He's smart. You know, like I said, the best thing we can do is get out of his way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You talked about Pete Rose. I got a text about five minutes ago to ask you about that. You played with Pete, and you uh, played for Pete. Pete, how was that? You know, I'm not sure, but I think I'm the only guy that's, that can lay claim to that. Right. I, I can't. I can't say for sure, but I have never come up with another name. I'll tell you. You know, we were in in 1984. Uh, he came to Montreal, and every young player on the team, we kind of we thought Pete walked on water. I mean, he was the ultimate teammate. So then, when I had a chance to play for him three years later, I mean, I loved it. I, I played so poorly that I felt I felt terrible, but. I mean, you know, I know, I know Pete's done some things, and it's all well-documented, but if you played with Pete, I bet you you wouldn't hear too many teammates say something negative about him. 
Well, yeah, well, certain. I mean, he's he, again, he was one of those guys that was, you know, a competitor at everything. And, uh, you know, the way he threw himself around the field. I was a Dodger fan, so I really couldn't stand the guy. <laughs> but, you know, but it was, but again, I, I respected the kind of a ball player he was. And, I, you know, I, I couldn't stand the Reds when he was with the Reds because they were in the same division at the time. You know, and then when he went, you know, when he and Joe Morgan went to the Phillies and, and all that, and I, you know, and they kept winning championships and that. So it was, you know, I mean, certainly, again, he was one of those guys. But And Pete always said, you know, he, he said, he goes, I've never been booed in my home ballpark. And and he goes, it's, you know, you want to be booed in the visitor's ballpark because that means people fear you. Yeah, no question. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Can we get you on the other side? Guys, I got nowhere to go. No. I'll be here. <laughs> good. Well, we'd love to have a, talk, talk a little bit more. We want to hear some Arizona baseball stories. Yes, yeah, good old day stuff. You got it. Let's take you a quick it. break here on 1030 The Voice. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm Steve Rivera alongside Jay Gonzalez. And on the phone we have former U of A baseball great Terry Francona, Cleveland Indians manager. Terry, so you're on the road. You're going to be there soon. And uh, we look forward to some baseball. Uh, well, that's the hope. And, again, it's there's a lot of hurdles, a lot of hoops to jump through. But but they're trying, and I give them a lot of credit. They're They're doing it in a really respectful way. And I hope it works. And, and that's, you know, if not, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll re-sack up the bats and try again next year, I guess. So, Terry, have you done the math and realized that you're headed into your 20th year as a manager? Well, I don't do math very often because it makes my <laughs> head hurt, but I, I did know it was my 20th year, yeah. That's, uh, you know, it, there, there was a point, there had to be a point in your career, whether it was, you know, when you were playing in the major leagues or even maybe when you were back in college, you know, that uh, that you, you had decided baseball was going to be your life, you know, forever and ever. I mean, was there a point like that? And do you recall when that might have been? Well, I mean, when I was a little kid, I mean, you know, my dad played 15 years and, and I knew that's all I was ever going to do is play baseball. I was just certain of that. Um but as when I went, when I got to the major leagues, I was probably like everybody else. You know, I thought I'd hit 350, win a batting title, make a ton of money, and retire on my own terms. And you know, my rookie year, I blew my knee out, and then two years later, I blew the other one out. And so basically, for the last eight years, I was just hanging on. And I never thought about coaching or managing. But what I realized was. Because I sat the bench so much, I, I listened and I paid attention and I watched. And then when I got a chance to go manage the minor leagues, it just see, it just fit like it, it was a natural, and I loved it. Um, I, like the day I got there, I was like, man, this is this is this is what I I can do this. One of the big things that impresses me, obviously, the two World Series. But since leaving Philly, you have not had a losing season since then. That doesn't happen by accident, especially in baseball. Well, I've been pretty lucky now. We've I've been around some really good players, and, and I know that. Um, you know, the one thing I will brag about, and and I, I, I mean this, I think I've set the record for being around good people, <laughs> and I'm and I really believe that. I mean, I've been so fortunate, and I'm just kind of a baseball lifer, and I've been given some pretty pretty good circumstances. I mean. I've gotten to work, you know, next to my one of my best friends, Brad Mills, who's a former U of A third baseman. We've been together since 1977, 
that's that's incredible. So I get to stand next to him every game. I can't tell you how fulfilling that is. Well, let me ask you about you know thinking back to your days at at Arizona. You know what what were some of the things that that you experienced there? You know you won a championship, you won all these awards, you won all American Golden Spikes Award. But you know what 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 did you experience at Arizona that you think helped set you up for what you've done since then, both as a as a player and a manager? Oh my goodness, you don't have enough time for me to <laughs> say. I mean, I was drafted uh, by the Cubs in the second round out of high school, and I honestly think if I'd have signed, I'd have probably been one of those guys that fell through the cracks. Um, I was typical 18-year-old. You know, I wanted to do, do everything, see everything, and my parents knew that Jerry Kindle would keep a tight thumb on me and, and teach me how to play baseball the right way because they knew I wanted to be a baseball player. And I got three years at Arizona where I got to mature. I got to learn not only baseball – but life from three of the best coaches you could ever have. And I mean, I, and I know how lucky I was. Um, Jerry Kindle, Jim Wing, Jerry Stitt, you couldn't play for better guys. How comfortable are we, you with this title, probably being the best baseball player here Arizona has ever had? Oh, boy, I've never, uh, I've never given that much thought. <laughs> um, I, I'm pretty good about staying in the moment. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I really never, st- I remember when I came here in 77, Dave Stegman had just left. And I remember when I met him, I was so in awe of him. And I remember thinking, wow, man, maybe someday I can be like that good. You know, you just, I just think you do the best you can. You stay in the moment. You don't look too far back. You don't look too far forward. And normally you just kind of stay, like I said, stay in the moment, take care of business you usually end up right where you're supposed to be. Uh, and Terry, you know, d- just we were in the same year in school. At the, I went to the U of A at the same time as you did. I was looking up your state. You're, you're like four months older than me. And again, you're, as I told Dave Rubio last week, you're keeping way better than I am. But uh, we, you know, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> but we, you know, we were going, we were going there at the same time. And I remember, you know, those teams, I remember Dave Stegman. I, you know, I was, you know, finishing up high school when he was tearing it up here. But then you were, you know, I was going to Arizona games as a student when you were playing. And that was sort of the, for you know that that was sort of the uh, heyday the, the heyday of, of you know of Arizona baseball you know they won a championship in 76 won another one in 80 when you were there they they were good every year they won another one in 86 so that was a period of time that you know there that it was a big deal here and it, and it continues to be a big deal but you obviously enjoyed the time because you keep coming back there's something about Tucson that that uh, has kept you coming back. What, what what are some of those things aside from the fact that you had a great time playing baseball? You know, it's funny because when I landed when I landed in Tucson in August of 1977, I remember looking out the plane window and I'm like, "What did I get myself into?" <laughs> it was everything was brown and and I was like, "I don't know, man." And and I was a typical typical homesick kid for a while. I mean, I admit that. You know, I was really fortunate. I grew up in a great hometown, small town. I had wonderful parents, and I missed everybody. But as soon as I got used to being away, I loved everything about the U of A, Tucson. And, you know, I lived there until 1996 when I took the Phillies job, and we moved the family back to the East Coast. 
And then when the when the Red Sox thing kind of fell apart about ten years ago, I moved back to Tucson. It's the best thing I ever did. I love it there. You still have a love a love affair with the baseball team. Helped them with their batting uh, stuff. Uh, obviously, what's your what's your love with them or for them? Well, I felt like you know I always wanted to try to do something for the for the U of A because I felt like I would have never gotten to the big leagues without without it. But I was never in a position to do it before. I mean, every time. Every time I thought I was going to make money, I'd either get hurt or I'd play bad or I'd get released. So I kind of I didn't really have that much money manager to actually get paid pretty well. And I wanted to give back to the U of A because I don't think any of this would have happened without it. Well, I, I, I've had a chance to hit in that uh, in that facility, and you know that that's I'm not even close. The nicest place I've ever hit. I, I got to hit in a, uh, one of the Diamondbacks uh, batting cages over at, uh, at at Keno Ballpark, but you know the, it's uh, I mean that is that is you know a one facility. Uh, you know what? I was blown away by the job they did. I mean, if that had been there when I was in college, I would have lived in that thing. Yeah, and there, it seems that there's some guys who do that because the couple of times that I went there, I, we we did a thing with the baseball team with uh, the the Sugar Skulls, who I was a uh, the, the president of. But we, you know, we we did some stuff with them, and you know, some of our players got to go hit in there, and there were guy I I saw the same guys there every time I went there. Well, and they're probably the better hitters too, and the guys. Guys that like to hit and hit a lot usually are the better ones. Steve Kerr was on uh, Zoom last night with, with Sean Miller and, and Matt Mulebach. I'm curious, you see a lot of former, and talked about former players in the NBA or players in the NBA that he gets to see and talk to. You must see a lot of UA players going through the league. And Is there a nice relationship with you ex-guys? You know, and I'm getting older now and, you know, because I'm 61, so it's been a long time. But when somebody I know you know, they're on the other team, and they'll come up to bat. I will definitely, you know, tip my hat to them or I'll wave at them. Uh, I hope we get them out, but, but I definitely <laughs> take an interest in, in, you know, what they're doing. And it's not just baseball. I mean, shoot, it. you know, when Richard Jefferson was playing for the Cavaliers, I went and saw him. I've seen Steve Kerr more than once. Um, I mean, I, I see Matt Mulebach at the U of A games when he's announcing. I mean, I'm a U of A fan and and I always will be. Well, I I, I see you sitting in the front row at, uh, at McHale for a lot of those games. Uh, you know, it, is, is are are you a huge college basketball fan, or is it uh, you know I'm in Tucson and that's just something I like to do? No, I am a huge college basketball fan. But when when Lou Dolson came, I remember thinking, man, I ought to try to get tickets. And and I wasn't in a real good place financially. Um, but I got tickets way up high. I got two tickets, and me and my buddy, we would go all the time. Well, I upgraded to, to where I am now, and I'm telling you guys, I try to, to look at my schedule or look at their schedule and not leave town when they're playing. That's how much I enjoy the games. Well, that's a that's a heck of a of a vantage point. I mean, what do you? Yeah, a, a heck of an upgrade. Seriously, you know, do you do you try and interact at all? I, I, I sit across from you. I'm a, I'm at the stat table, so I, I you know I see you over there, but I'm I'm busy, so I'm not really paying attention. You, you're having conversations with players, with the refs, uh, anything like that. I mean, what what what's it like sitting there? Because yep. from where I sit, there's a barrier, so I you know there's like no yeah, you know, there's stuff in front of you. There, there's nothing in front of you. You know, it's funny because, a lot, I mean, people in Tucson, and you know this, people are friendly there. It's not a big city, 
you know, type attitude. But I laugh because most of the referees come over and talk to me. And and after, you know, they'll make a bad call or something. And I'll walk over. i say, man, don't come over and stand next to me. <laughs> I said, man, you've you got to go stand on the other side right now. They need someone to cheer because they know they're going to cheer for you. So, you know, they got to get close to you. Let, let me ask you uh, uh, just philosophy. Has your philosophy as a coach changed much in the 20 years you've been uh, a manager? No, I really don't think so. I mean, I'd like to think that. With experience, I've, I've gotten better. I've been a hope. But, you know, if you don't, you're kind of missing the boat. But I've always felt like even when I was in Birmingham making $28,000, I remember thinking, you know what, if I put the players and the organization first, and my situation will always take care of itself. And, and I've always tried to live by that. And you know what, 25 years later, I'm still doing this. So I think it's so, I think that it works for me. And it doesn't mean that's for everybody, but that's just how I feel. Do you do you take it upon yourself to kind of you know mentor maybe some of the some of the younger coaches or just, or even the younger players and saying, look, you know, you got a future doing this or, or something like that? Uh, do, you, do you do you try and do that? Or does it just kind of come natural? I don't think you can just try. Although I will say this, as an organization, you know, since we've had some downtime, twice a week at night we meet with the the minor league managers, minor league coaches, and we talk baseball. And it's really fun. And one of the things I try to tell them, though, is, you know, hey, you know, you you don't try to be me. You know, I mean, if you want to learn a thing or two from from me, great. But you got to be true to yourself. I mean, I played for 16 managers, and and I I think I took something from every one of them. But in the end, you got to be true to yourself. Players – Players might not be Ivy League educated, but they'll see right through a phony right now. Right. I agree with you. Right, uh, Terry, we've got a quick call from Chuck. He wants to ask you a quick question. Sure. Go ahead, Chuck. Hello, Terry. I was just wondering, uh, who was uh, the toughest right-hander you ever faced and left-hander you ever faced? Good question. Thanks, Chuck. Yep. The left, you know, again, the, some of the left-handers I didn't play against that were, you know, but Jerry Royce and John Candelaria were the were the two toughest lefties. They just didn't get you out. They embarrassed you. <laughs> um, right-handers, you know, what's funny is my in my career, the most at-bats I have is against Nolan Ryan. I think I had 41 wow. at-bats against him, and it was because a lot of the right-handers would get sick that day. <laughs> it just seemed to happen. Um so I thought that was kind of a funny stat. That, that's a good one. I, okay, I've been dying to ask you this one. Okay, we look back through your stats. You had a you you pitched an inning. Oh yeah, in nineteen eighty nine for Milwaukee. I th- it looks like it was a one two three inning with a strikeout. Walk us through that one. <laughs> we were getting beat up in Oakland, and you know when you're when you're the guy they put into pitch, that means you're not the big prospect anymore. But they knew I could do it. And I was throwing knuckleballs, and I actually ended up striking out Stan Javier, who I knew, and it was the only strikeout we had as a staff that night. And so, you know what, though? It, it, it ends up being good because guys loosen up. You know, we're getting our brains beat out, and guys are getting to chuckle about it. And we actually went on to play pretty good after that. Yeah. Do, do, did you ever go back to some of the other pitchers and say, hey, guys, you know? That's it's that easy. Yeah. You know, I, I did it. You got you to do better, right? I, I I know that position players don't like hitting off position players, and you you have a huge advantage 
the only thing they can do is make an out. They're supposed to get a hit. So it's 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 I it's different. It's like you know you go out and play one round of golf and you shoot a seventy five and you think you can play on the tour. You know we got to slow down a little bit. Let me ask you, Terry. Uh, we got a couple minutes left here for this segment. Uh, what would the sixty one year old uh, Terry Francona tell the tell the eighteen year old Terry Francona now with all this advice? You know, I would I would baseball was was so easy for me when I was young. I mean, I just thought it was playing the game, I, and I love playing the game. Coach Kendall couldn't keep me out there too long. I'd never complain. But I didn't lift weights with my heart in it. And I think that's probably why I got injured early in my career. I think my heart was in the right place, but my body wasn't. And I don't think I could, you know, I couldn't get through the rigors of a season. And and I think it really cost me. Um, I learned to work into my career, but it was already too late for me to, to be an everyday player. Terry, we really appreciate you joining us. This was a lot of fun. Be safe on the road. Thanks, Terry. We, guys, we, we do appreciate it. Care. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come across to you, and uh, I'm going to come across to the uh, next time I see you at McHale, and we'll have a little chat. I'll be there the first home game. All right. Thanks so much. Drive safely, <laughs> right, and we, we hope we see you on the you field it. sometime soon. Yes. That was, Take care, guys. Thank Thanks. you. That was Terry Francona. Great interview. Thank you, Jay, and uh, thank you, Terry. Let's take a quick break here on 1030 The Voice. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm Steve Rivera alongside Jay Gonzalez. Not a bad day today. That was fun. That was really fun, you know. And, and uh, you know, Terry's a, you know, he's a big, na- you know, he's a national figure. Right, a right. couple of World Series championships with the Red Sox and, you know, got to another World Series with the Indians. And, you know, for him to take the time to, you know, to take some time with us and, right. you know, talk to the people that, you know, that, he, you know, he spends time with here. He, you know, he loves it in Tucson. And I thought that was just great that he would give us the time and, and, and really, you know, we had a great conversation. I you really know, enjoyed that. You know that he was in Louisville getting some bats. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> the guy was a hitter. <laughs> you know, I, I bet, and I, you know what? I'm, I'm guessing he could still bring it oh, a little heck bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, if, you know, some people who can hit, they can just hit. Right, right. And, then you get a pitch he, runner. he could hit. Get him in the score, no right, problem. Right. Uh, so in your research of him, because you knew of him already, what did you find the most surprising? Well, uh, you was know. Was it the pitching thing? Well, I thought the pitching thing was really funny, but you know, you know, people have that. I was stunned that he's been managing for twenty years. Yeah, and there's actually a couple of years in there that he he was out of managing uh, the two thousand one, two, and three seasons, and uh, at, when he when he left Philadelphia, and then he was out for a year after uh, after he was gone from Boston. So he's been a manager for going on twenty five years, mm-hmm. and and again, I saw that and it made me feel really really old. I mean, I you know, I think of Terry Francona, I think of the Terry. Franco and I saw playing baseball right, right, right. at Arizona. You know, he had, you know, he was a young-looking guy, and he was just guy, so darn good. Right, I mean, he was so good. I, I thought to me the most impressive thing: he, he hasn't had a losing season in twenty some years. That's amazing because that, that doesn't stunning. happen. That doesn't happen, and that shows that whatever you're doing, you're doing it really well. No question, you're getting people to believe in you and and uh, and to to do it that long, right, right, and right. do it that well. You've had a number of managers, obviously. When I played, I had a number of managers or, or coaches. Um, you can tell he's not a tyrant. He lets them play. Right. And, and you know, and it's funny because that, you know, when when you hear about what happened in Boston, that was kind of what they got tired of over there. I'm like, why are you tired of it when you're winning? When you're winning, what's, right. What's the problem? Yeah. And and you, you can tell he's a, you know, without labeling Terry, you know, maybe he's a bit of a player's coach because he just lets the players play. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you deal with all the other stuff that you got to deal with as a manager, but he's clearly whatever he's doing, it's successful for True. him. He's got he's he's got all this time in as a as a manager and as a winning manager. And so, you know, there were a lot of guys tried to win a championship in Boston, couldn't do it, and he did it twice. And he did it the first year and he, he was did there. It the first year he was there. So yeah. it's amazing. But again, a, a great guy to talk to. Somebody who just. Uh, you know, just gives you the time of day. He's personable. Mm-hmm. See, he seems to enjoy talking about the things that he does. You know, he talk. You know, he he wanted to talk about his experience with Michael Jordan mm-hmm. because he, you know, he enjoyed that period of time and it was a, a really interesting part of his career. Right, right. Uh, the one of the things I heard, and I wanted to ask him because I don't know if it's true or not. I didn't, didn't bring it up in the in the in the uh, films here over the last few weeks that Jordan got him a nice souped up bus to get around in. Exactly. You know, and again, what an experience it would have been to have somebody like that. Oh yeah. You know. Know, you know, playing and you know what I like to what I I like what he said about how you know he sat Jordan down and said, "Look, these guys, you know, they're not you, right, right, but you know, this is their livelihood. They're not making the money you're making. You got to give them the respect." And then that he did. Isn't that the reason why he's a good manager? Of course. You, right away, you start. You sit down, your player. Of course. Explain the situation, and just don't let him show yeah, up. Yeah, you know, he, he said he was, thir- you know, thirty-four years old, managing a minor league baseball team, making twenty-eight thousand dollars a right, year, right. and yeah. all of a sudden, Michael Jordan falls in your lap, you know. And he's only four years younger, I think, than, right. than Terry. So you know, so you're sitting there, and, and but you you grabbed it, mm-hmm. you dealt with it, and and you said, this is how we're going to do this. And the fact that Michael Jordan respected that, and right. then that he respected the players, right. right? I thought that was really cool. I think every player wants to play for a player's manager. I think they do. I think they do. And, and but you know some of the you know some of those managers get in trouble by not being tough enough, being tough enough, right, right. not holding players accountable, and those kinds of things. But, and that's where they have issues, right? But they they had that tough on the side. You know right. what I'm saying? They of have course that. they do. Dick Tomey was that Dick guy. Dick Tomey was that guy. Yeah. You know, he 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 was a, he was a players' coach, but he also held them accountable. Right, right. We saw a lot of that firsthand. We did because we, did. we went to practices, got to see him get on guys. Not tough, but you know, fair, sure. fair. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Great day today, Jay. Fun day, fun day. Monday, tell Monday, me real quick. Monday, we got Greg Byrne coming in, former athletic director at Arizona, now at Alabama. We're going to try and get an SEC perspective on on what's going on with college football and whether we're going to have football in the fall. I wonder if he still wears those red pants. Maybe a different know. shade of red. Different pants. shade of red, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Great day today, Jay. Great, for- great, great, great show today. I want to before we go. I really quickly want to throw a shout out to my daughter. Yes, graduated from the U of A today. Biomedical engineering, bachelor's degree, and about to become a Duke. She's going to go to Duke for yikes. for uh, graduate school. Congratulations, Duke. Oh, yikes. <laughs> yikes! Good luck. Hey, thanks. Good day today. Here, let's take it. Get out of here at ten thirty. The Voice. See you Monday.